Well, good evening. It is uh, so good for you, for us to be together at People's Church. And, uh, and my name is Travis, and uh, just want to welcome you. So many new people. And Aaron, thanks so much for doing such a good job welcoming us tonight, and Karis and the team. And uh, thank you to People's Church for Pastor Dave and Pastor Lawrence for opening the doors to us. Thank you guys. So appreciate it. And um, yeah, give it up for People's Church. I, um, you know, we, we finished the burn just, it seems like a long time ago now. It's almost over a, mu a month ago, pretty quick. But um, I, there was one song and it, one part of the burn that just, I, I still think about. I still think about this. I wrote it down. And it's this thought of all I want is to know your heart. And would you keep me here till we're one? And I, and I just sense that's, that's our prayer tonight. All I want, God. All I want is to know your heart, that you keep us here until we are one, that you would, you would unite us as a body. And I, I just, at the burn this year, there was a significant unity that fell in the room. And you could just feel that we were one church. There was something, whether whatever denomination, whatever background, there was just this, this reality, we are one. And um, I want to continue on with that. And, uh, you know, we have the advance coming up, and Aaron mentioned it. Um, and, and our theme this year is just really to encounter the Lord. And so if you're coming on the advance, I just ask you to prepare your heart. There's over 100 already registered. We're going to max out, I think, at about 120. So you have till tomorrow night already some registered uh, in the last few minutes. But if you haven't, I encourage you to come fill up those remaining spots. Uh, we're just going to leave registration open and then try to kind of fit who's ever registered and, and let you know if it didn't work out just until we close it uh, tomorrow night. So well, we're going to try to fit as many as we can to make it work. But um, for those asking, it's just the theme is going to be encounter. And Tara Giebelhaus is going to be sharing. Uh, Yari uh, from our community. Ezebevi is his last name. Uh, Dr. Yari will be sharing. And then myself. And we're just, our whole heart and desire is that we'd encounter the Lord. So we're just going to come with that. Uh, mission, that idea, and so if you're coming, I just, would you, would you start to pray and prepare your heart? If you're not coming and you're not able to come, would you pray for us? Would you pray for what God's going to do in the lives that go? And, and um, in October, I shared a word called lion's roar, and uh, if you have those slides, you can put those up. Uh, lion's roar, that would be great. Thank you, guys. And uh, I shared that word, and I want to continue that tonight, that part two of that. And, um, you know, Jesus Christ was both God and, he was, and, and man. And the Bible says that he was also the lion and the lamb. He was the lion and the lamb. In the book of Revelation, John goes to an encounter, and he goes, uh, and a voice calls him to come up here. And he goes there, and, and he goes into the throne room, and it's unreal, and there's 24 elders worshiping. All this is happening. And, and he, he, you know, he says, one of the elders says to him in Revelation 5, See the lion, the, tribe, uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And John looks because he's like, I'm going to see a lion. And instead of seeing a lion, he sees a lamb that was slain sitting in the center of the throne. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. See, there's this incredible mystery that Jesus Christ is a lion, and he's the lamb. He's both. He was a lamb that was spotless. Uh, John 1.29, as the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, 
Therefore, he didn't die for his own sins, but he died for the sins of each one of us. And um, Jesus was a spotless lamb. And, and to see Jesus fully, you can't just see Jesus as a lamb, and you can't just see Jesus as the lion. You have to see him as both. We need to see him and have a revelation that he is the lamb truly, and truly he's the lion. Uh, in this season of eight years into resurgence, hard to believe we're eight. Happy eighth birthday. Eight. And um, I sense so strongly, and as a lead team, we sense that God's calling us to really be who he's called us to be. That not, not to anything else, but that we know our identity. We know who we are. And this involves a boldness, a courage that comes from the revelation of Jesus as the lion. It's time to roar. See, when lions roar, the ground shakes. When, when lions roar, stuff happens. And, and there's a bold, holy confidence in him that's established in each of us. And, and I believe that's rooted in the fact that can only be rooted in the fact that he's the lamb also. See, in the wild, a lion roars. As I said, it shakes the very ground beneath it. The roar causes the lion's prey to actually be so gripped with fear and flee in terror. They don't know what to do. The, the very power and strength and the roar confuses its victims, sends them scattering. They, they run. And a lion's roar, Wikipedia tells me, that <laughs> it can be heard for eight kilometers. So eight kilometers from here is about Rogers Place. Eight kilometers from here is all of downtown Edmonton, pretty much. Eight kilometers from here is for sure West Edmonton Mall, for sure the university. So basically a great segment of our city. So tonight if a lion was in this place, a very lion came in, walked down the aisle, and we were all terrified. <laughs> and then it let a roar out. I mean, without the walls of this room, that roar literally could be felt or heard eight kilometers away. That's incredible. And there's a very lion inside of us. Jesus is inside of us, and he's the lion. And there's a roar for each one of us. What would happen if a lion roared and our city was shaken and God moved in Edmonton? See, Proverbs 28.1, we read this in October. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Is it possible to get that on that, that would be amazing, because I'm looking at a mountain, but I'm not seeing a lion. <laughs> if you can, that'd be amazing, so I could see not a mountain, but a lion. But you can put up the scripture, Proverbs 28.1, it's there somewhere. But nothing is pursuing it, but the person flees. The wicked flee, but there's no one there. See, fear causes us to flee. Fear causes us to run. Fear causes us yet the righteousness. We become righteous because of the work of Jesus on the cross, the lamb. Jesus had to be a lamb to die, to go through, an incredible, to, to go through the incredible torture that he went to, to roar on the third day. See, sacrifice pays for the boldness. Heart before mission. Humility before going out. Meekness. See, we become bold as a lion by receiving the work of Jesus as a lamb. We can become Jesus, we, we can become like Jesus, the lion of Judah, with boldness, a courage. 
And tonight, I just sense that God, as I prepared for this, I sense that God wants to release a courage, a courageous spirit in the room tonight, a courage that we know who our God is, that we know who we are, a courage. See, a courage to be fully who God created us to be. Courage as this community resurgence prepares for what God has called it to do next. Courage. Courage, um, there's a release of courage in the place. Courage means, it means the state or quality of mind or spirit that enables one to face danger, fear, with confidence and resolution, bravery. To be of good cheer, unreserved speech, not held back, free, boldness, and with assurance. Courage. See, courage is not the absence of fear. But the revelation, the realization, and the resolve that your good Father is backing you up. This means anything is possible. This means anything is possible. See, courage is the willingness to act in spite of the fear. Courage is the willingness to say yes, no matter what's coming against you. Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the realization, the revelation, and the resolve that your good Father is backing you up. See, we can sit waiting for fear to leave completely. Yet courage actually beckons us forward. To, fa to face it with confidence, boldness. Because greater is he who is in you, the Bible says. Because you're who your daddy has called you to be. Who's your daddy? Because if we know who our daddy is, it changes everything. I know who my daddy is. So because of that, greater is he who is in you. Be, you know, nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. He who created the sun, the moon, the stars, he who created me and who created you is here tonight in this place, and nothing is impossible. See, there's a courage that comes when we understand whose we are. See, we're in a world, a day when, as, as Aaron alluded to it, you know, my Facebook feed is inundated with posts. And there are about a lot of things, primarily U.S. election. And the reality is all of them are filled. Yeah, they say things. But if you look at the root of all the posts, for, against, what, whatever, they're all rooted with fear. Everything that's you turn on the news and it's fear of the economy, fear of what, what this person's going to do or they're not going to do or what they think they're going to do or what they said they might do, all of this is all based around fear. It's masked as many other things, but it's fear. It's easy to bring that into relationship, our relationship with God the Father, our relationship our, where we're at, and be like, oh, now I'm fearful. Now things are happening. How does this change my future? How does this change everything? Yet the narrative never has fear. The story of God for your life never has fear. If, if you sense that God's speaking to you about something, if you sense that God is speaking to you, but it's rooted in fear, that's not the Lord. You can always test it. If you're fearing into something, if you're making a decision because you're forced by fear, that's not who God is. That's not how God operates. He doesn't scare you into things. He loves you. He has a plan for you. It's not based on fear. And um, that's not a good father. A good father doesn't do that. See, discouragement. The word discouraged means to deprive of hope, 
deprived of confidence or deprived of spirit. It actually, the definition is to be deprived of spirit. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control, according to the Amplified Version. So for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. See, where does power come from? Power comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is power. Where does love come from? Well, we know that uh, 1 John 4, 8 said God is love, so God the Father is love, so we know that God is love. Where does a sound mind come from? Well, John, 1 John says that the Word became flesh and Jesus is the Word. So the Godhead is represented in that scripture there. What is the antidote to fear? A relationship with the Godhead. If we know our Father, if we know the Son, and if we know the Holy Spirit, if we know the fullness of the Godhead, it's actually an antidote to all fear. When we hang out with God, it changes things. See, an encounter with the Spirit, an encounter with the Father, an encounter with Jesus in the Word actually can shift fear. Daniel 11.32 declares, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That word know, when you look it up, what it actually means, it doesn't mean just, oh, in my head I know. Oh, yeah, I, I read it somewhere I know. It actually means you know you experience. You have an encounter. Something has changed you. So I know God because I've encountered God because I'm not the same. And so now that I know God, that I know what God wor works and looks like and is in my life, I'm going to do great exploits. See, we have to know God. We need a revelation of who we are and who our Father is. The very resurrected power of Christ is in our veins. Or as Katy Perry, Katy Perry paraphrases. Can't even say that. Katy Perry paraphrase. It's too hard to say. Tongue twister. She says, there's victory in my veins. There's victory in my veins. See, the reality is we win. <laughs> the end of the story is we win. The devil is a liar. The devil, the enemy uh, is the same person that causes us to flee when no one is there. It, it, it's fear-based. He lies. And he wants us to believe our fears. But we need to know whose we are. We need to know him. We're his. We're his sons and daughters. You're his son. You're his daughter. The Bible says this about God. He says, I am, this is what God says about who he is. It says, I am one. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am who I am. I am from everlasting to everlasting. I'm the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the creator of heaven and earth. I'm able. I'm love. I'm good. I'm among you in your midst. Thank you, Lord. I'm truth and true. I'm your healer. Yeah, receive that. I'm, your, I'm spirit. I'm father. I'm glorified in the son. I'm your witness. I'm revealed. I'm for you. I'm merciful. I'm faithful. I'm wiser than men. I'm not the author of confusion. I'm the author of peace. I'm your sufficiency. I'm gracious. I'm generous. I'm slow to anger. I'm highly exalted. I'm working in you. I'm invisible. I'm the God who is coming. I'm the righteous judge. I'm the savior of all people, God says. I am unbound. I'm the builder of all things. I'm just. I'm alive. I'm a consuming fire. The light, a greater than your hearts. The God who was and is 
and was, who is and was and is to come. I'm holy, almighty. I'm your strength. I'm your song. I'm jealous. I'm not a man. I'm God of gods and Lord of lords. I'm great, mighty, and awesome. I'm not partial. I'm your praise. I'm with you in the battle. I'm a warrior. I'm your dwelling place. I'm your rock and refuge. I'm God alone. See, this is who chose you. This is who chose me. This is who picked me. This is who picked you. This is our God. This is our assurance. Have you ever walked somewhere um, and there's maybe you're in a place at night and it's a dark alley and you're just like by yourself and there's some very intimidating people around and you're like, eh, I shouldn't be here alone. This is kind of sketchy. I don't know if you've been in a foreign city or whatever. You just felt like, whoa, this is kind of weird. But then have you ever walked someplace where you walk with some friends that are like, let's just say 6'4", 240 and they could like bench you with their pinky like like massive like tanks like they walk in and it's just like I mean maybe they're on steroids whatever but they're big like they're massive just like you know they just they have protein shakes like 20 times a day and they're just massive well when you walk with those people you walk differently I remember being like super small and when I was super small in junior high I would hang out with my brother's friends and they were tall and man I would pick a fight with anyone. I would like, I would like say things because I didn't care because I had my brother's friends with me. It didn't really matter because they're big. So it's like my friends are going to come at me. Mm -hmm. Look at those guys. They're big. They're with me. They're with me. <laughs> See because there was an assurance. There was an assurance I knew who was going to back me up. See, all it takes is a little boy to defeat a giant or an army. All it takes is a little boy to defeat a giant or an army. Uh, Caitlin Chemo from our community gave that word to me at the burn. And I've, I've, it's not left my mind, and I think of David. David was small in stature, but he knew his father. There was assurance a whole army was standing there, not sure what to do because there was a giant and nobody wanted to attack the giant and the Philistines were there and there was a war happening and nobody was moving and this giant was calling them out and there was fear there. He knew who he was and he knew who his dad was. And this little boy picked up some stones. He didn't even want the armor. And Goliath was not small. Goliath, they said his coat was 125 pounds. That's a heavy coat. And um, his voice was probably echoing the cannons of David's heart. Like I can imagine him yelling and the valley just and everybody just quiet on the Israelite army. And here David comes and the foolish things to confound the wise. And, um, you know, the stone hits the giant and the giant falls with a thud. I bet you there was a ground that shook in the valley as that giant came down. And there was a thud. And I bet you there was a silence because people were, what just happened? Am I dreaming? Did this just actually happen or am I falling? Like, like they could not believe it. Is he actually, like, what just happened here? See, a small boy caused a shaking in a valley because he was available. What's the first step in becoming available? It's to learn to love, to be vulnerable. To put it all that's hidden on the table. I love what C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves, he says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. 
Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it'll change. It'll not be broken. It'll become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Lisa Brevere says to love is to be vulnerable. And don't assume vulnerability means you are in a position to be violated. But rather, you're actually, it's more like positioning yourself to be vindicated. Because you're totally free. Because love never fails. Because love never fails. See, that's what courage looks like, to be vulnerable. Say, God, you can have it all. I'm going to risk every area of my heart. You can have it all. I want to take you to a, a time in my life and um, in my past, and um, I need you to picture something with me. You're, you're in Blue Quill in the you know, lovely neighborhood of Blue Quill in Edmonton, and you see coming towards you a bike, and you hear a sound. It's a roar. And you see a seven, eight-year-old Travis coming towards you on his bike. Not just any bike, a BMX bike. It was white and black with a blue stripe. And the roar was not any roar. It was the roar of a card in between the spokes. And I had my shorts on. I had the stripe that went onto my shirt as well. It was matching, the same color. I was seven years old. I was cruising down with my friends down the Blue Quill sidewalk. I was going to another friend's house. There was about two of us. And we're just cruising. Just cruising. My little cow-like alfalfa sticking in the air. Just little Travis hanging out. And across the sidewalk was this guy that I know, David. David was rollerblading. He's pulling a John Hoffman. He was, he was rollerblading. And um, he, he was, had his dog with him. And he's rollerblading with his dog. And I knew David. David was older than me. And so I, I kind of like looked over and knew who David was. And he was cool. And, um, but David had this dog. And, and I like dogs. Dogs were cool at that time, at that moment. And then what happened was the dog saw Travis. And the dog, for whatever reason, decided he liked the pinstripe matching outfit. <laughs> and this was not a little Shih Tzu dog, which the name would be applicable in this case. I'd like to have called it it. It was a golden retriever. It was a nice golden retriever up until this moment. And then. This golden retriever saw me. I saw it as I'm just pedaling ahead. So I you know, sped up the pedaling a little bit. It just decided it wanted to come and see me and show some love towards me. So I started to pedal a little faster. David got yanked on his rollerblades. He let go of the leash. The dog is through in air, and it's slow motion. And I can look, and I'm like, no! 
and it's just leaping across the road. As it's leaping across the road, I pedal as fast as I can go on that bike. The roar was unbelievable. You could hear that car just going. I was giving it everything. But then at the point of impact, I didn't know what to do. So I kind of tried to stop and brace myself. I slammed on the brakes and I tried to, I didn't know what to do. But the dog just leaped onto me. And it took me out sideways, sent me flying, and um, it had lunch on my leg. And it took a massive chunk of flesh out of my leg, like it bit me. And so here's seven-year-old Travis bawling, you know, had blood on my hands because I fell and I was like on the ground and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry and da-da-da, you know. And so I, I walked home that day and, I, and I, got, I got home and my parents, they were like, okay, we got to find out if you have rabies now and all these things. And um, I didn't and I didn't have rabies. And, um. But from that moment on, from that wonderful experience where a dog took a chunk out of my leg, I was scared of dogs. I built a fear to dogs. Why? Because I had an experience that was not good. It ruined my beautiful day on my BMX bike. So any dog that would come near me, I'm like, I do not like dogs. I don't like you. Like, you don't like me. I don't like you. Your friend, your cousin, your relative bit me, so we're not going to be friends. I know you don't know that, that dog, but it did bite me, and you're related. So I stay away from them. I'm like, I don't want anything. And, and this went on for a while. And before that point, I always liked dogs. But because of that experience, I decided I did not like dogs. And, and you know, I have gotten, gotten over that. And I've enjoyed dogs since. And, and that has gone away. But why? Sometimes when we have an experience, sometimes we can build our past, our, our past experiences, our past failures, the past things that happened to us, we actually can, they can, um, they can teach us about pain. And we want to avoid pain. We don't want to, you know, you touch a hot burner, you don't touch it again. <laughs> you don't want to be burned again. You don't keep touching it. You're like, no, that's pain. Stay away. So sometimes our past attempts at courage, our past attempts at risk, our past attempts that we can actually, psychologists call it a fear avoidance model, where we have fear because we don't want pain to happen. See, we avoid pain at all costs. We even put those bad experiences on others. I would even tell my friend, oh, don't go near that dog, it's scary. <laughs> They'll bite you, stay away, right? So I tell others because of my own bad experience, not that all dogs bite you, but I made that rule, and I started to, for a while, was like, no, dogs are evil. Stay away. And so many times we can do that in life with many other things, experiences, things that, fears. And we've created a, a box. We've created things, oh, no, I've tried that. I got hurt. I'm not going to go there again. And it stops our vulnerability. But the lion and the lamb, Jesus, has taught us to love. See, what past experiences can hold us back? What failures can, can keep us in prison from actually risking, from being bold, from actually telling someone about Jesus? Oh, that time I told them about Jesus, they, they rejected it. Well, actually, th does that mean you don't do it again? See, it's time to actually let those fears be exposed. 
It's the courage to actually take time to face them. Even this week, I was sitting on my couch preparing for this, and the Lord spoke to me about some things in my heart that I needed to just do an inventory and go, God, what, what's the lie? What's the root? How come I believe this? Where did this first start? What is, what is the lie, and what's the truth to it? And I just set it free. Like, I just encourage you, take time in your week, in your days, to actually do an inventory. How am I doing? What, what fears do I believe that are not of you, God? What things do I have to give up? What are the things that I have to be vulnerable and, 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 get, and get help? See a counselor. Do, do what it takes to, to, to be vulnerable and see that, that love come in there. See, when I'm fully exposed, I, I, I'm, a, you know, I, I'm afraid of being violated, but the reality is I'm vindicated. I'm free. I can be fully me. See, I can be fully the little boy that takes down giants. See, vulnerability actually is a strength, not a weakness. Vulnerability is not a, a weakness, but it is a strength. Freedom to not be impacted by any closed door of our hearts or past experiences. See, where does our courage come from? 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out all fear. 2 Corinthians 3.12, therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. Boldness comes from the hope we have in Jesus. Hopeness, hope leads to courage and boldness, to be very bold. See, we're called to be bold as a lion. Fearless love is not based on performance of us. We can't work ourselves into it, but it's based on the faithfulness of God. See, lions in the natural are actually amazing. They rest for some of them up to 16, 17 hours a day. They, they, they rest a lot, and they wait for their moment. They wait for that courage, that moment that they have to do to chase the animals. But they do a lot of resting. They're not out all day, all day hunting. But they rest. They wait. They wait for their prey. They wait. They, they, they can wait in the Lord, you know. When I think of lions and I think of this message, I thought of um, Lion King. And I think of Akuna Matata. I think of Simba. I think of, um, you know, Simba goes off and he hides. And... Um, he goes and hides, and uh, he, he, he basically, to avoid the pain, to avoid what's happened, he goes and hides, and he hangs out, and he ends up eating bugs. Here's a lion eating bugs. Here's a lion doing things that lions don't normally do. And he's there hanging out, and his friends start singing this song, Hakuna Matata, and they go, yeah, it's our motto. And uh, what's a motto? Maybe you remember this. Nothing. What's a motto with you? <laughs> Somebody got it, but... Those two words will solve all your problems, are the lyrics of the song. And um, akuna matata, a worry-free life. And there's something in that that we like because we avoid the pain. We can just like, ah, we just in the, in the, we'll just stay here, not step into the full calling. And like that dog story that I shared with you, there's something there that goes back. And, and you, we can just like, I can decide, oh, I'm never going to like a dog again. Dogs are evil but I actually can face my fears and go, yeah, that was that one time. But I'm much bigger than a dog. Like, dog is little, I'm big, except for those big, massive dogs. Those are still scary. Um, a bow mastiff or something, stay away. They're scary. Um, I'll work through that. Lord, deal with my heart. But there's a confidence in who he's called me to be. There's a confidence that comes. 
See, when God calls Joshua in chapter 1, He tells him He'll give him the land and He'll be with him just like He was with Moses. And so God says this, be strong and courageous. And in a verse later, He says, be strong and very courageous. And then He skips a verse, talks about some other things. And then in verse 9, what does God say again? He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. See, courage means we are called to transform culture. Gathering in His presence, freedom, um, is freedom from not only for something, but not only, for some, not only from something, but for something. The freedom we experience is not just from something, but it's for something. It's for us to transform culture. Not just deliverance from the past, but abundance for the future. God's called each one of us. It, 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 it's not this mandate. Um, if, if there's no mandate for transformation, then what's the point of the encounter? If the power, if the encounter, the rising again is not transformational, what happens is we just conform. We just all look the same. It has to change things. It has to transform things. See, the church has thought the way um, to not conform to the way of the world is to actually stay out of culture. We've trained believers to be strong in their belief and strong to survive culture but not transform culture. We have a survival mindset. We, we want to survive. We've trained believers. We, we missed our call to actually transform culture because we're, we're fearful of the culture. Yet there's a courage that God wants to raise up. God wants to empower us. God wants to call us to a courage that we actually uh, face the fear and be who each one of us have called us to be. See, Alan Scott, he says, the vote for cultural relevancy in a decaying culture is at their own demise. We aren't called to be culturally relevant, but release the culture around us. See, in Acts, the Holy Spirit is poured out as they're together in unity. I think of the burn. I think of the unity that was in the room at the burn. I, I think of what God did when we had the burn even here two years ago. We're in that same spot and that unity of churches. And, and, and they have this encounter in Acts that changes them forever. Holy Spirit comes in the upper room. In Acts 4, Peter and John are preaching Jesus and they're preaching the resurrection from the dead. They're not just preaching Jesus. They're preaching the whole enchilada. They're preaching everything about Jesus. They're, they're preaching that Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection. And that's what actually got them in trouble. They weren't, they weren't preaching a nice seeker-sensitive message. They were preaching the stuff that was like riling up the religious people. They were like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, Jesus is okay, but don't preach the resurrection stuff. But they were preaching that. And they were thrown into jail because of it. And they were brought before the authorities, the high priests, the rulers, the elders. Here's, here's you know, Peter and John, and they're there between all these, like, the bigwigs. The, the, the big people have called them, and they're going, why are you doing this? And they said, what power or what name did you do this? In verse 7 of chapter 4. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, you know, he explains it all to him. Explains why they're sharing what they're sharing. And then verse 13, their response, it says this. When the courage, when the courage of Peter, when they, when they, the courage of Peter and John, realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So these are the religious leaders. They saw the courage of Peter and John. And they realized they had no training. They're ordinary men. And yet they're talking things. So what? 
and then they, they took count that they had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had just been healed standing with them, there was nothing they could say. Here, Peter and John are telling, hey, we just healed this guy. The guy's standing there. So what are you going to say, oh, it didn't happen? The guy's like, I'm healed. So what, what do you say? They can't do anything. They don't know what to do. And see, they were released, and they went. They, what did they do when they were released? They went and prayed for more boldness. They were just pretty bold, and they went and prayed for boldness. And verse 31, when we pray for boldness, this is what happens. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. See, when you encounter the Holy Spirit and you're filled, boldness is a natural result. When you ask for boldness, you get boldness. When you spend time with Jesus, courage is a result. It was noted that they had spent time with Jesus. Because the longer you spend with God, the more you realize it's not about you, but uh, whose you are. See, the, the longer you spend time with God, that you know that it actually doesn't matter what people think anymore because you know whose you are. You know him. You know him and you've experienced him. And when you know that, rejection doesn't matter because rejection doesn't hurt me because it's not tied to my identity anymore because my identity isn't rooted in what people think, but it's in what God the Father thinks. I fear God, not man. But, but how to overcome that? Yeah, come on. But how to overcome? How do we overcome fear? Because fear is all around us. We, we, we have to know God. We have to have encounters with God. Spend time with God. See, encounters leads to a boldness every day. Tonight, we, we pray at the end, and God's going to move powerfully, but the encounter is not what happens tonight, but what happens Monday morning. How are we actually different? How does the boldness walk into your everyday life? How, how do you have boldness to have courage to do the things that God's called you to do in the everyday See, your voice, your sound, your creativity, your dream, your call, the DNA inside of you can no longer be imprisoned by fear. Boldness needs to arise. Courage arise. See, when we speak boldly, miracles happen. They just spoke boldly and miracles happened. Things happen in declaration. I remember uh, many years ago, uh, one of my mentors, he said, Travi, he says, lean in to God. Just lean in to God, Travi. And I'm like, what do you mean lean in the God? Like, lean? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, get sideways? Like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, lay on the ground? Like, why do you lean? He's like, lean in the God. Put yourself in a place that if God doesn't show up, you're going to fail. Every time you preach, put yourself in a place where, where, where if God doesn't show up, you're going to look like an idiot. <laughs> Every time you go in public and you kind of have that inkling and you're in Starbucks and you should talk to that person, you're like, I just have this sense this person's, put yourself out there. Take that risk. Lean into God. Learn to lean into him. Put yourself on an edge. Because if the place is that you can't make it happen on your own. Too often we, we play it safe. We do it the things that we know how to do. But God wants to use us in greater ways. There's an assurance, there's a backing when we know our Father. Courage actually inspires. Boldness attracts. We all watch stories, we hear stories of the heroes that go into a burning building and save the dying people. We, we love the story of the hero, the heroic spirit. The courageous spirit actually attracts people. Because all around us is fear. 
all around us as our Facebook and social media feeds are filled with fear, what attracts us is stories of courage, stories of risk-taking, stories of people that will put it all on the line because they believe in something. Because deep inside our DNA, I believe we're each called to live that same life. There's a courageous spirit in every one of us in this place. See, Jonathan and his armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14. Um, there's a, an incredible story. It's this rare story. And, I, and I'm almost done. I know I'm kind of going long tonight. But I just I want to share the story and maybe another one. And then we'll, we'll end. Okay? <laughs> Thank you for grace in that. And, um, but Jonathan and his armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14, it's, there's this one soldier... Jonathan, he's the son of King Saul, and um, he's there, and, um, and the armor bearer's with him, and they're going, and, and um, they're there, and there's, this, there's armies going on, and, and they're all around the Philistines, and, and there's a whole Philistine army across this cliff, and Jonathan said, come on to his armor bearer, so there's two of them, we will cross over toward them and let them see us, if they say to us, Wait there until we come to you. We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we'll climb up, the, climb up to them, up the cliff, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So what happened is the people are like, the army's like, come up here, you two. And it's kind of like, you know, have you ever been like when you're like 12 and the 16-year-olds are like, hey, come over here. I want to show you something. <laughs> I learned you don't go. Because they're going to like, yeah, they're going to hit you in a bad spot or something's going to happen. <laughs> Guys know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just you don't do it. They're going to pull you by your gaunch and leave you on a door or something. You know what I mean? Like wedgie. I don't know. You just stay away, right? So here this army is like, come up here. We'll show. Come up here, guys. Oh, yeah, it's just two of you. Come on up. So we call, they call them up. And... Um, Jonathan is like, God has delivered them to us. Into the, he, he, God has given them to us. The whole, like he's given them to the whole army of Israel. He, he talks as if the whole army's with him, but there's only two. God has given them to us. Okay, there's an army, we're going to climb up a cliff. And as they climb up the cliff, they're on their hands and knees climbing up this cliff. So, I mean... Really, that is not a posture to go into a war with when you're, you know, it's like people climbing up here. It'd be like, boom, you know, like you could just boot them off the cliff. Like it doesn't make sense. And they climb up there and they crawl up to the top. And the Bible says that the whole army fell to the ground. They fell to the ground and the armor bearer and then went around with the, the sword and they cut off all their heads and killed them. God gave the whole army to Jonathan and the armor bear. Victory, sp this report spread everywhere. And verse 15, it says, Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and the field, and those in the far outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. See, the earth was shook with a supernatural courage because of what Jonathan and his armor bear did that day. See, your courage draws people out of complacency. Your courage draws people to see when you do something courageous that God asks you to do. It, it, it pulls people 
out of their complacencies. It prophesies to people. It calls forth the DNA, the, the story of God for their lives. See, courage attracts. Courage causes a shakening. See, in this story, even other people, as you read on, even other people, there were people that were living in fear that they were Jews. They were living in fear. And so what they did, because they were so fearful they were going to lose, they went and got Philistine soldier army outfits, and they went and fought for the Philistines because they were scared. When they heard this and the ground shook and they heard what God did through Jonathan, they ripped off those outfits and came and fought for the right army. Because it gripped them. There was a shaking that happening. Listen, a family is calling home its people. The family of God is calling home a city and saying, come, you're wearing a different outfit. You shouldn't be wearing that outfit. There are people everywhere in this city that, that I believe that a family of resurgence should be calling and saying, take off that outfit. That's not your outfit. You're part of our family. You're part of our story. We, we love you. We want you to be part of us because that's what you're born to be. See, salvation happy, happens when an army gets courage. See, your courage will call a, a city, a nation, a province to its destiny. I believe it in this room. There are people in this room that you can see entire nations shake because of your courage. And God is calling us to step out in a greater way. He's calling us to step into the full promise that he has for us, to shake nations. This is bigger than we imagine. This is bigger than we think. The story of God, the, the story that we're all a part of is not just, oh, it's just a little Saturday night thing. It, it's bigger than all of that. We're all part of something much bigger than we can even imagine. Lion's roar shakes the ground. Shakes the ground. See, a shaking happens when a roar takes place. And uh, Karis, if you could just come and play. And um, all it takes is a small boy to take on a giant and a thud echo in the valley. All it takes is a guy and an armor bearer to go after a whole army. And the earth shakes. And all it takes is Peter and John to just lean into him. To not just stay in the upper room and just continue to have church in the upper room but to actually go out and live it out and speak with boldness and speak Jesus and see people encounter. What does courage look like? You know, practically, what does courage look like in each of our lives? I think courage looks at times like changing our priorities. We live in a, in a life where we want to do everything. We say yes to everything. We say yes to every event, everything on Facebook, every, everything that's coming our way, we like to recreate. We like to, I love to ski. So I'm not speaking against recreating. I skied seven days last year, my record. I've never skied that much in my life. So I love going to the mountains. I love camping. I love recreating. I love doing all those things. So don't hear me wrong tonight. I think that's worship to God. I think when we enjoy Him, when we enjoy friends, when we do that. But I also know that there's times that God calls us to make sacrifice, that we can't do everything if we want to do what God's called us to do. That there is, there is, a, there is a cost we have to pay at times. There's a cost to recreating. And you know, when I think of courage, I think of people in our community. I think of Aaron and Tara Giebelhaus. They um, are in their mid-30s. They have two kids. 
they are involved in their church they um, are in small groups they uh, have successful careers they have everything that a, a normal family should have going for it a house all those things they have busy lives with kids they have busy lives with small groups and moms groups and men's groups and all those things that are going on life is good life is comfortable but God starts speaking to them and says hey I think you need to be a part of resurgence in a greater way what would it look like to be involved and God was speaking to us as a lead team and we're like you need to be on our lead team what could that look like and all these things and it didn't actually make sense it didn't really fit because they had to reshuffle their lives they had to reschedule things they had to um, change their schedules spend a lot of hours with a lot of other people that they weren't spending time with so they have to cancel groups and change groups and change their agenda they they have the you know the cost of getting babysitters just to be at all the resurgence events all the things to be on the lead team and to pray and to care for people that they never had to care for before all those things they never had to do that before but they had to make a change they had to have our lead team in their home and their kids hanging out with the lead team you know all this happening it's not logical actually doesn't make sense they should have just stayed in the comfortable space see courage looks like that changing our priorities at times because God I just want to be in the center of your will God I want to be in the center I think of I think of Colette I think of I could think of almost every one of our volunteers in this room that you know at the burn countless hours people that are in their master's degrees and teachers and, and running schools and doing all of this but yet give time and say I don't know what it is but I need to serve I need to I need to be a part of this that's courage that's courage that's that's priority shifting what does it look like Courage looks like Amy in our community who the doctors are giving her one results with cancer, but we're believing that's not who she serves. She serves a God. And God knows the report. And we're believing for healing. That's courage. See, we want more of him. We want to risk. We want to encounter Jesus at resurgence in our churches. But do we actually make space for him? See, sometimes we can go through life, and I've personally found this. I don't want to hear what God wants to say to me. I, I put my hands over my ears, really, because I know what God calls me to say or to do is going gonna, is gonna to be sacrifice. It's going to take me places. It's going to spend money, and it's going to shift my priorities. So we can say, God, we want all of you. But do we know what that means? Are we ready to actually hear what he wants to say to us? But can I assure you on the other side of that, it's the greatest adventure. It's what you were made to do. It's what God's called you to do. And he has prepared you. He, you are the right person. You are just a David. You're just a little boy, the little girl. But God can use you. And it's a moment of courage of saying, God, I'm in. I don't care what it looks like. Jesus gave us freedom for something. I don't want to go through life and say revival was happening, revival was going on, things were happening, but I missed it somehow. I was busy just whatever. I was busy watching Netflix. I was busy just doing stuff, but I missed you, God. I missed you. I prayed for that, but I missed it because I was just busy doing stuff that wasn't important. 
Mark 15:43 tells of the story of Joseph of Arimathea. He was a prominent member of the Jewish council, which means the business council. And it says that he was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he went boldly to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body after Jesus was crucified. See, Joseph, his heart was positioned. He was in the right spot. He was of incredible influence. See, we like influence. We like positioning. We like to move up the corporate ladder. We like all the things, but I want to ask you, what's it for? See, Joseph was in a place and a position and influence for something. To actually move the body of Christ forward. The actual literal body of Christ. He moved Jesus' body from the cross, put a, linens on Jesus, and put him in the tomb. Why? Because he knew he could go talk to Pilate. Because he was influenced. Because he was, but he was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was a believer. He was a business guy. He, he had influence. See, Joseph wasn't an evangelist. Joseph wasn't the leader of a ministry called Resurgence or a pastor at your church. Joseph was a normal person and had boldness. God's called us to move the body of Christ forward. No matter if you're a teacher, if you're a student, we're all called to full-time ministry. We're all called to full-time ministry. Ministry isn't, oh, that's the guy on the stage to do that. We are the body of Christ. Once we've said, Jesus, come in our heart, Jesus says, go. Go into all the world. That's the call not on just a couple people. That's a call in this whole room tonight. Every single one of us are called to go. What would it look like? You know, in the Hebrides revival, 75% of people gave their heart to Jesus before they even got to a meeting. 75% of the people that were saved, the whole, the islands were all saved in, in England there, and it was 75% of them were saved before they even got there. See, resurgence revival is about leaking it every day. It's not about just a night. It's about a movement that we live it out every single day. If the Jesus we love, if the Jesus we sing about, if the Jesus we go to church about, if the Jesus that we have small group about, if the Jesus we read books about, if the Jesus we hear podcasts about, if the Jesus we listen to on Jesus culture and, and all the things that we do never actually leaves our home or never leaves resurgence, I think we need to ask, are we actually, do we actually know Jesus? Because the Jesus in the Bible gets out a lot. I think he wants us to get out more. Jesus was in the sending business. He was always sending people. Go, go, go. Two by two, by twelve, whatever. He was going. When a great moment knocks on the door of your life, it's a sound is no often louder than the beating of your heart. It's easy to miss. Boris, Pastor. It's our moment. I just want us to all stand in this place. And... Um, Posture yourself to receive from the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. Thank you that your presence is in this place. Jesus. Jesus. Just welcome him. Welcome him. God, we just take authority right now for every distraction on our mind, every everything that's just going on in our hearts. God, the 
just everything we're thinking about that's not of you right now, we just we surrender that. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. In this place tonight, there's a supernatural release of courage and boldness. He wants to give to us tonight. And I sense that God said, will you put everything on the table tonight? You thought that this was your career. You thought that this would turn out like this. You thought this was your plan, your life, your education, your job. You thought your life was just like this. Every box, every mindset, will you put it on the table tonight? Every door of your heart, every circumstance, every obstacle, every fear, every sickness, every relationship, every marriage, it might seem over. All those things that you've carried in here tonight, would you put it all on the table tonight? Would you allow him access to every one of those things tonight? See, there's a love that casts out perfect fear. Vulnerability doesn't bring violation, but it brings vindication. And vindication is here. Freedom is here tonight. And there's something that's stepping in to be bold as a lion, to see a ground shake, to see is actually that we're able to put it all on the line. We're saying, God, you can have it all. And I don't just say those cliche words because they're in a song, but God, I actually mean the song. I actually mean it with my whole heart tonight. You can have everything. You can have my dream of success. You can have what it looks like to have success. You can have everything that I thought that my plan for 10 years was, 20 years, my life plan, I give it to you tonight because I trust that you're a good father. I trust that you have the right plan for me.
your eye closed and head bowed. Courage looks like maybe you're in this place and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior or you need to come back to him because you know that you're not in right relationship with him. Courage looks like saying, I don't know, but I need him tonight. I need to say yes. That's you in this place that you just say, I, I need Jesus in my heart tonight. I don't know him as my Lord and Savior. I just want you to lift your hand in this place. I'm just going to pray for you. speaking tonight, God's been speaking to you about some areas of your heart that need to be dealt with. And courage looks like finding a counselor, finding a pastor, getting freedom in some of those areas that no one even knows about. Being free of sexual sin, being free of the pulls of pornography, being free, completely free. Courage looks like calling a counselor and, and asking for help. Even though it feels like weakness, it's like I don't go to counselors. That's what courage looks like. A boldness. making hard decisions and pre-prioritizing our lives. Saying no to things so we can say yes to what God's calling us to. It's like courage looks like. of the courage and I believe that if you're in this place and you're just like I just I want courage tonight I need to break through all the fear and I just I want to be released there's a there's something where it's like there's an activation that's going to happen and I want to ask the uh, we have a prayer team that has lanyards or if you've been asked to pray tonight I want to ask you to just come to this part over here um, there's some people that prayer team and we just ask that only those with lanyards pray tonight and um before I call everyone forward, I just I just sensed in the pre-service prayer, this wasn't in the plan, this wasn't, um, the words that really just came out just very clearly was about healing, about how God's our healer tonight. And so before we um, pray for that courage tonight, I believe that Holy Spirit wants us just to lean into Him tonight and see people heal tonight. And I just, I just so sensed that and, and, um, as we're in the prayer room, God just I wrote this down, and I just, um, 
You know, um, it's referred to that Jesus is the way maker, he's the promise keeper, and he's a miracle worker. But Jesus just doesn't tell us the way to go. The reality is, he is the way. He is the way. Jesus doesn't just say, you know, um, there are promises and I watch over them. Jesus was the promise fulfilled. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, there's, you know, there's miracles, but actually Jesus is a living miracle. He was resurrected from the dead. And, you know, God, you know, God, his name is actually Jehovah Rapha. It actually means the God who heals. So God's name, that's not just what he does, that's his actual name, is the God who heals. Exodus 15, 26, I'm the Lord that heals you. See, there's one thing to be someone that does something, but God is these things. He doesn't just do them. That's his being. That's who he is. All who Jesus touched were healed. Jesus is the way. He is the promise. And he is the healer. And so if you're in this place and you have physical, you need healing in your body for whatever, I just, I'm going to ask you to just come and line up in a line across the front. And we're going to just pray. And we're going to see just Jesus heal. Because that's what scripture says. So if you need healing in any part of your body, you just need healing. Amy, come. I want to pray. Just kind of line up in a line. So they're kind of orderly. prayer team's going to come. We're just going to lay hands and we're just going to pray for healing. They're going to ask you what's wrong, what do you need healing, and we're just going to minister in uh, Pastor Dave. If you want to come, feel free to. Um, and Donovan, uh, feel free. And just uh, and we're just going to we're just going to pray. And we're going to. I just encourage you to just start to worship the Lord. Start to in this place. If you're in your seat, extend your hands towards. If you want to do that, if you want to just worship, whatever. And in a moment, we're just going to we're going to do a call to, to for courage. But I just feel like God just wants to minister. There's way too many people up here that need healing. There's way too many people. So God, I thank you right now that you're the healer. And we thank you right now you're healing in this place. You're our healer. God, I thank you it's your name. And I just thank you that you're healing every disease and every sickness.